Welcome to the 344th of the COVID Calls. This is a daily discussion of the COVID-19 pandemic with a diverse collection of disaster experts. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a historian of disasters at the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. I'm coming to you live from Daejeon, South Korea. Today, I talk with artist Yiyun Kang about her project Anthropause and her process of making and showing art in the middle of the pandemic. A reminder, you can usually catch COVID Calls live on weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Just go to the COVID Calls YouTube channel to watch. Today is a special COVID Calls episode at 6.30 p.m. Korea time. You can hear COVID Calls anytime recorded as podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also keep up with COVID calls via Twitter using the handle at US of Disaster or at COVID calls. Please help spread the word and send suggestions for future guests and future topics. And please feel free to suggest yourself as a future guest. As of today, September 23rd, 2021, there are 4,719,379 deaths globally from COVID-19 according to the Johns Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center. I've been reading an obituary or a story of advocacy for those impacted by the pandemic, and I'd like to continue that now. The headline is, he went downhill so fast. Dad who lost 15-year-old Kentucky student to COVID warns others. This was written by Valerie Honeycutt Spears and Jeremy Chisenhall, appeared September 8th. 2021 in the Lexington, Kentucky Herald Leader. A 15-year-old Shelby County high school student who loved school never got to go this semester. Two days before classes started, he tested positive for COVID-19 and he spent nearly a month in the hospital before he died from the virus. Justin Klein, age 15, died from COVID-19 on Sunday, September 5th, after testing positive on August 9th according to his father, George Klein. The teenager loved to dance to Johnny Cash, go swimming and spend time with his loved ones. But his loved ones spent Justin's final days watching him struggle to breathe, tangled in tubes in a hospital bed. Sit there and watch it is the most difficult thing I've ever been through, said Doyle Manley, a longtime friend of Klein's family, who along with his wife helped take care of Justin. Just to see the kid there with tubes, at the end he had tubes coming out of his chest, one coming out of his side, all the monitoring stuff, the IVs, it's an awful thing, he said. Manley was often alone with Justin at the hospital. After Justin tested positive for COVID-19, so did his father and his father's girlfriend. Both suffered significant symptoms and weren't allowed to see the 15-year-old boy for two weeks. COVID-19 restrictions at the hospital made it difficult for his recovered dad to see Justin. Manley planned to rotate 24-hour shifts with his wife, Sarah Manley, but just days into Justin's hospital stay, she tested positive too. Doyle Manley went to the hospital by himself during the day and then went home to try to sleep at night, he said. It was too hard to sleep at the hospital with all the noise. Justin's grandmother, who also contracted COVID-19, recovered from her symptoms and was able to get onto the visitation roster, Manley said. Four family members were eventually added, but Justin's symptoms had gotten more severe at that point. 
It's heartbreak, heartbreak, pure and simple, just to see him there suffering like he was, Sarah Manley said, it's senseless. LB County Superintendent Sally Sugg confirmed that a 15-year-old student whom Klein later identified had died from the virus. We're using all tools currently available to keep us, to allow us to keep students and staff safe, Sugg said. Justin had autism and was nonverbal, his father told the Herald Leader. He had extensive medical issues, a weak immune system, and had 25 or more surgeries in his lifetime, his father said. But Justin had never had to be hospitalized over lung issues. Even if he had survived, doctors told the family he would have scarred lungs forever due to COVID-19. Hunt said Justin got the virus after it had spread around the family, and he just was coughing and coughing and coughing. He was taken to a hospital and tested positive. Hunt said Justin went to the hospital a couple of times and was given medication to treat the symptoms. On the third visit, the hospital admitted him. In a couple of days, he was on the ventilator, Klein said. He just never really made any progress. Justin's final days, hospital staff believed he may have been recovering. He was briefly taken off the ventilator but had to be put back on it. He went downhill so fast, Klein said. Justin's past medical issues didn't make things easier. Because he was nonverbal, it was difficult for him to make others realize he was ill, his father said. And because he was autistic, he was often combative with hospital staff as they tried to hook him up to IVs or put in tubes. He frequently had to be sedated, family members said. It's heartbreaking to see your loved one strapped to a bed, Doyle Manley said. It's one of the most awful things a person could have to go through. Justin loved to be around the Manleys, whom he called Mimi and Pawpaw. He also loved being around his maternal grandmother, whom he called Mama. He was a joy to be around, Sarah Manley said. He was laughing all the time and just a pure joy to be with. He loved music and swimming. He was just an outgoing child. Klein said his son always wanted to make others feel better. He was happy all the time, Klein said. It was the same Justin, whether he was sick or not. Justin loved to play a Johnny Cash album on repeat on the Manley CD player, Sarah Manley said. They planned to play Cash at Justin's funeral, she said. Doyle and Sarah Manley were both vaccinated and advocated for vaccinations. They hoped Justin's story would help more people realize the importance of getting vaccinated. Sarah Manley called the death a horrifying ordeal. She said she had a son killed in a car accident and it was nothing compared to this. This has hit me way worse because it was more preventable, she said. Both said they wished people would take the virus more seriously to keep others from having to go through what Justin went through. People need to see it, Doyle Manley said. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but they've got to understand the gravity of the situation and what could happen. Justin wasn't vaccinated, Klein said. Klein also had not been vaccinated. He said he wanted the vaccine to get full approval from the Food and Drug Administration first. He was planning to get the Pfizer vaccine now that it has received that approval. Justin's father, Mr. Klein, said he believes people should get to make their own choices about vaccinations. I'm going to go take my vaccine, Klein said. I'm going to do my part, as bad as it sounds, once it affects them personally, and they'll change their minds. Klein also said his girlfriend had been vaccinated, but got just as sick as he did when they both contracted the virus. While vaccinated individuals have still contracted COVID-19, data indicates symptoms are less likely to be severe for a vaccinated person compared to an unvaccinated person. Klein said he's a big advocate for wearing masks to try to stop the virus's spread.
Okay, I'd like to turn to my conversation today and let me introduce my guest. This has been a program uh, a long time in the making, and I'm glad we could finally bring Yian Kang to COVID calls. Yian Kang received her BFA in paint from Seoul National University and MFA from UCLA's Design and Media Arts and a PhD from Royal College of Art in the UK. She held exhibitions at numerous art institutions, including the Seoul Museum of Art, Taipei MOCA, Victoria and Albert Museum, and participated in international events such as the Venice Architecture Biennale, Shenzhen Biennale, and Guangzhou Design Biennale. In 2020, she participated in the transcontinental contemporary art project Connect BTS as the only Korean artist. In 2017, she received the Red Dot Award with Deep Surface, a commissioned exhibition by Max Mara. Recently, Kang had solo exhibition Anthropause at PKM, PKM Gallery in Seoul. Currently a visiting lecturer at the Royal College of Art in London and also gives lectures at Politecnico di Milano in Milan, SOAS University of London and Sotheby's Institute of Art also in London. Yeyun Kang is featured in Bloomberg's Art Plus Technology series and her writings have been published in the Leonardo Journal published by MIT Press and Practices of Projections, published by Oxford University Press. She's a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts in the UK since 2019. Ian Kang, thank you so much for joining me on COVID Calls today. Hi, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. And I know we've, we started to talk about this COVID call a few months ago already, when I was in Korea at the moment. But now I'm back in London doing my quarantine. So I think it's a perfect condition for this talk today. I want to acknowledge as we start also that it was a student of the Graduate School of Science mm -hmm. and Technology Policy here, Kai Hyuna Kyum, who uh, pointed me first to your extraordinary work and has helped to make this happen. So thanks to Hyuna for that. Yeah. Thank you for her too. Um, I like to start the way I generally do, just find out where you're calling from and what the pandemic situation looks like there. Mm -hmm. So I am in, yeah, just I mentioned that I'm in London. I just came back to London after a year of stay in Seoul, Korea, where I was born in Gulag. But um, yeah, and then I am, yeah, as I told you, I'm doing my quarantine, preparing the new term, which begins next week. So... It's been a dynamic year from 2020 to 2021, from lockdown in London, flying back to Korea, and I came back to here again. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in London now. Will you have completed four weeks of quarantine when this, at this point or more than that? It's, it's just 10 days of quarantine. And it's really, I just figure that the NHS, the National Health System in the UK, they just announced that well, at the moment there are red country, amber country, green country, and Korea is one of the amber countries, so we have to do the quarantine. There's no exception, although I am fully vaccinated. But mm. from the early October, the green and amber countries will be combined together. It means that I don't need to do quarantine if I'm fully vaccinated. So I that see. there are lots of things will be will, will change. If Korea is amber, I can't imagine who is green. <laughs> They're just like a really handful of countries in the green green list. Um, um, amazing! I have to. I hadn't. I hadn't thought about 
about that. Anybody perceiving Korea as being a, a, a dangerous country to travel in <laughs> under the pandemic? I, you know, I've been asking guests um, also if they wouldn't mind sharing a memory of this mm-hmm. of this period. It's the impossible assignment, as I call it. But I wonder mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind contributing to that. What what sticks in your memory? Something yeah. really strong about the pandemic. For me, it was really dynamic because actually at the very early stage we talked about the temporality but you know we'll go back to that notion later so at the early stage of outbreak i was in korea preparing for the connect bts exhibition and then we were really lucky that we opened the exhibition but we had to close exhibition in the middle of it because of the outbreak of COVID-19. And then I was a little bit of frustrated, of course. And I had to come back to London for my teaching. And at the time, London was okay. You know, whole European countries were doing fine. And people, uh, most of the people, they don't know what COVID is. And then I started to tell, I just really, you know, spread the issues. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> we really need to be aware of that. There is, it seems to me that there's no exceptional countries. But nobody believed that at the time. But within three weeks, it just like came. And then a lot of things in rapidly changed. But the, uh, but uh, the, this society, um, we don't have, the London doesn't have that much of infrastructure. For example, the fast internet, like fast delivery systems, uh, some of the systems that Korea has. So the whole situation went really tough. If you go to the supermarket, there's no water to buy. There's no toilet paper to buy. It, it feels like an almost like a war time. And then the policies on the streets, you have to go back to your you know, flat, you have to stay inside, no engagement with any other people, mm. blah, 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 blah. And then it was like a really, um, really scary time because I am here living alone and then there is no water to drink, there's no toilet paper to use. <laughs> and, you know, the delivery system is not that, you know, stable enough to keep things running and then all of the teaching just you know shifted to the online and all of my project has been cancelled who would see the exhibition under the COVID-19 all of the museums galleries they're closed my project exhibitions they're all cancelled so I have suddenly become a kind of like a jobless person <laughs> I must say but I do I am a teacher I'm a lecturer at the university but my major identity is artist and I felt that I lost my job instantly. So that was, I must say that it was really um, depressing and frustrating time. Yeah. And then I decided to go back to Korea Mm. after the, what was it? After the, in the middle of a second national lockdown Mm. in London because in here, the only thing that I could do was like a Zoom teaching right? with the students. Uh, well, it, it's, it's okay, it's good. But I thought that 
maybe I should go back to my family to stay together in this particular time. That was my initial thoughts. So, okay, let's just like, what about my visa? What about my job? Blah, blah, blah. Forget about everything that I'll, I should go back. So that's the time when I made the decision. And since then, I spent a year and I just came back. So there was a summer of, of 2020. Yeah. Decided yeah. To, wow. Mm -hmm. you, I wanted to ask you about your previous work, and there's a lot of it, but, but let's start with kind of really recent previous work, because you mentioned um, the Connect BTS mm -hmm. project. It's mm -hmm. a pretty extraordinary project. I mean, and I'm really sorry that, that it had to sort of, I hope it was a pause, not a completion. I don't know, you can, you can tell me, but what is Connect mm -hmm. BTS? Uh, yeah, it's um, for me, that was really an honor for sure. It's a huge pleasure to be a part of the projects. It's not just because it's collaboration with the BTS, like a mega successful boy band from Korea, but it's also because of uh, how we interpret the notion of connects in a different way. Because there are lots of collaborative projects in the art world, collaboration with the celebrity, collaboration with the artist, blah, blah, blah. But in, and you know that the biennial, there are so many biennales, Venice Biennale, Architects Biennale, blah, 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 that happens every two years here and there. So that is the most, let's say, prevailing form of international arts projects that brings every curators, I mean, not every, brings curators and artists to a particular site so that we can, you know, exhibit international practices in that particular space and time. But rather than that, we, the, the director, the creative director of that project, his name is Taehyung Lee. He's also a very good friend of mine he thought that he was inspired from the BTS in the first place, how these seven boys from Korea could become you know, a phenomenal figure in, in the pop art scene, in the culture scene. There should be some message that you can, we can you know, resonate with. That's the very beginning of this whole project. So why don't we connect you know, different cities all around the world to talk about the notion of connects through their own practice. So it connects five different cities all around the world. Um, New York, London, Berlin, Buenos Aires, and Seoul. And each city represents a single or um, few artists. And every genre is different. There are artists, the installation, digital, VR, performance artists, sculptor, so it's really difficult to define this project in a few words. It's like a living creature that spends all around the world embracing diversities. And it happens, sometimes it happens in a public space in, in New York. And also it's, it happened in Serpentine Gallery in London, which is the, one of the established uh, gallery in London. And, and the other performance happened in Martin Gropius Bau in Berlin. It's also a very important uh, contemporary art museum in, in, in Germany. So yeah, it's for me, it's, I have to study the whole system of this project 
at the very beginning. It's not just about, I'm going to do this installation in that museum. I have to study the whole system and how can I contribute to this whole system as an artist with my work? And how can I con- interpret the notion of connects and the BTS <laughs> right. into my work? And for me, that's really interesting. After the outbreak of the COVID-19, everybody started talking about the connection. Connect, what is connect? How can we connect it together? So we didn't plan it, but the uh, the whole project, the Connect to BTS, uh, it, it gave interesting, it, it, we've got a lot of interesting feedbacks after the outbreak of COVID-19. So. I mean, it, it's, now we're looking back on it i mean one of the features of it as you're describing is to create these opportunities so artists are working if i understand it in in their own settings in their own cities but then there's this platform that then enables them also to interact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um that's been done before but the scale of what you're doing it and connecting with bts mm-hmm. as as part of it um adds a whole new dimension to it. And then COVID breaks out and the whole world moves its whole life. Those who can move it to, to these kind of mediated technologies like zoom. So it's almost, it's to me, I mean, the timing is on, is uncanny that that you were just starting that as a sort of form of, of expression and artwork and making, and then COVID sort of shows the whole world that that's the way we're going to make art for a long Mm. time. It seems like. That is so true. It is, there's really a, yeah, I, I do agree that it, it is really uncanny. So. Will it continue? Please. The project is going to continue? I uh, um, No. Well, it was really fortunate that all of the other projects happened in different cities. Ah. We completed, except, except the Seoul one. So we had to, uh, the exhibition planned to continue for three months. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I think so. (laughs) But we could only do about like almost two months. So it's okay. It's, it's not, it's not like, we're happy with that, with that situation. So it's all completed. Yeah. Well, I hope the BTS will consider coming back and doing it again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's doable. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, would you, is there other, you know, previous works before, I want to talk about anthropos here mm-hmm. in a moment, but mm-hmm. some of the main themes and, you know, things that you've been fascinated with pre-COVID, maybe you see them differently now too, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it, definitely. But at the same time, uh, maybe I could share um, video. That'd be great. Yeah. So while Yi and Kang is preparing to show us some of her previous work, I just want to remind everyone you're listening to COVID calls and I'm talking to artist Yi and Kang today, the creator of the project Anthropause. And we were just talking also about her project connect BTS. And now we're going to see some other work. So I'm going to, Ian, I'm going to hand it back to you and you can set this up for us. Okay. So this is the uh, five minutes long video that includes my previous words. Uh, 
I probably, you know, play in pause here and there if I want to explain it. And if you have any questions, Scott, please just, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Great, go ahead. Okay. Can you hear the sound? Um, using projection and moving image and sound all together. And I project back into the space. It could be a massive space. It could be a you know, specific site. It could be museum itself. So literally the space, any three-dimensional object is my canvas. So um, I for me, I was trained as a painter. I did, I majored in painting in my BA. So um, I treat space as canvas rather than um, flat surface. So it, 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 this one is also very interesting. It's a full dome. It's like a humongous dome, like 20 meters in diameter. But if you um, understand the structure of a dome, you can really um, make a disorienting experiences. Whether it's a convex, is this a concave? Your perception's been challenging. But in order, in order to do that, you really need to not just study the aesthetic or historical or cultural part of it, but also the system part of it, the engineering. How's the distortions of a dome, blah, 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 blah. So most of my projects use um, whole immersive space. It really envelops the viewer in a three-dimensional way, not just a proscenium way. So in terms of that, it's very different from the video that involves a single screen. You just like sitting there or, or lying there and watch it from the beginning towards the end. On the, but my work, as you can see here, it's very phenomenal, how can I say, um, sculptural. You have to go into the space, you need to study the dynamic of the space, where is the best spot for you as, a, as an audience. So it's about finding a relationship with you and the work within the space. So to do that, yeah, this one is a it's slightly different one because it's not projection, but it's a massive LED sculpture in the public space. So um, I describe myself, my work as an environmental moving image because it involves a moving image in a sculpture way, three-dimensional way. So I kind of like that, the, the, to use a term, to, to, define my words. It's, it is environmental, but moving image. Maybe I can... Oh yeah, this one is a project that I mentioned earlier. I made a music video with Green Peace. 
This one is titled "Save the Ocean," and in this music video, I have collaborated with the performers that you just like watch in, in that in that video. And there's another. It's a band who created the um, the the uh, music for the for the video. So it's it's about the Fukushima disaster, but we wanted to deliver the message in a different way. Maybe the arts could deliver this um, events disaster in a more engaging way. So it's not about frustrating or depressing mode, but rather than that, we kind of begging the god of the ocean to save the sea. Blah, blah, blah. So that was the project with the Greenpeace, and the video that I'm showing now is a pro another project about COVID nineteen. It's called. Uh, let me share this one. It's this one is an interactive projection mapping installation. Because during the lockdown, as you've seen in my previous work, I'm an artist and my work is all about the space. It's all about the experience that particular time in that particular space together with the other audience. It could be yourself, it could be other audience, it could be your family lovers. We have to stay in that place. It's different, slightly different from the conventional painting or sculpture mm. because my, my work can only exist when the projector is running in that specific site but you know because of the COVID-19 I kind of like deprived of my you know uh, chances of sharing my work with the people so um, at this project I wanted to think about the way we engage with the space so what is the relationship with me and you in the same space? Because you know, in the in in last year, pretty much until now, there are really strict rule of you know keeping the distance in two meter. Everywhere you go in the queue, there's a two meter by two meter grid on the floor so that we can keep the distance in order to stay safe. But I was wondering that would that be the best way? <laughs> Can we find, you know, better way to do it? So this is kind of a um, speculative project. So I use the AI technology. It's a motion vision is we in order to get the best, um, you know, um, spatial dynamic between people. So I'm just I'm just gonna share the video. Growing social bubble
Um, sorry about the Korean there, but <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. Right? Yeah. Have, so th there are three different modes that responds to you as a participant. So it shows you how you're it, it like it, it it separates the dimension of your space. This is how you your 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 how can I say this is your space. This is your bubble. It, this is their bubble. And if there if family comes, the bubble becomes larger. So it, it's it's kind of like engaging, but at the same time funny. I don't I didn't want to make you know um, end of the world kind of interactivity, but I just wanted to make them fun experience so that people really can think about the way we engage with the space in the, the you know age of COVID nineteen. So that that's the one of the latest projects that I made and responding to uh, COVID nineteen. Just want to remind you. Folks, that you're listening to COVID calls, and I'm talking today to artist Ian Kang about her work in the middle of this pandemic. I have so many questions. I mean, first, I just want to um, acknowledge um, how broad your range of talent is in what we're seeing there. I mean, there are pieces that are are sculptural, and then we find out that they're LED display, and then there are pieces that it's the it's the museum wall itself that becomes the interactive space and then there's people who are dancing moving their body and there's a there's so many layers to it i want to go back though to you said you were trained as a painter <laughs> and i i can't help but wonder if during this time you haven't thought well i really wish i had stuck with with painting because i don't see how you in an apartment either in london or in seoul you don't have the way to stretch out in the space that you need to do the kind of work that you've been showing us. So I'm fascinated to know, I guess, first of all, how you've had to adapt your practice. Mm -hmm. That's, um, yeah, that's a good question. And so feel free to not answer me because I've just asked you to like give up your secrets as an artist. It's fun, <laughs> but I'm really fascinated by that part of it. Yeah, it's my pleasure, of course. And thanks for the questions. Um, I'm a painter. I really love to draw something on the surface. It's paintings all about the relations between the surface and depth, creating an illusion on top of some two-dimensional surface. But, and then I figure that um, I, di I didn't know how to cope with the two-dimensional canvas anymore. I believe, I remember that it was my sophomore year at the college in, at uni. And I just, I was like sitting in front of the blank canvas for four hours, don't know what to do anymore. And, so I almost decided to change my major, to be honest. Okay, I can't be the artist. I have to find another thing to do. But then I just, you know, out of curiosity, I just decided to take some video course. But in, and then that is a very important moment for me when I started to think about the materiality, like seriously. So, you know, in painting, it's all about the physicality. 
you have to deal with the oil painting, like the two-dimensional canvas. And but when you start to using video, you need to work with the temporality. Mm. And and you don't need to worry about the uh, the physicality that much. It's 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 very different. And then mm-hmm. I also took a course in installation so that I can also introduce the notion of space into my work. So for me, dealing with time and space together was very much more, how can I say? It, it gave me the whole potential creativity rather than dealing with the you know, two-dimensional surface. And at the same time, I must say that I was really mesmerized that I can exceed my own you know, corporeality, the physicality, my body, which is like a really tiny Asian female body. (laughs) I can only deal with big canvas, but if you're using video, if you're using projection, it could expand in a massive scale. So from that moment, I kind of started to think about the scale and time and space. And at the same time, now I kind of understand that I'm a type of an artist who really put focus on the communication. Mm. I'm not a type of a person who can stay inside of a you know studio and, and make some of my own and you know put it in the white wall. But I'm a type of person who wants to work with lots of people. It could be performer, it could be musician, it could be an engineer. So as you can see, a lot of part of my work is collaborative. It's about the collective intelligence, collective creativity. And I really love it. Love the way I, I the, so that's the reason, because you asked me, mm-hmm. the spectrum of my work seems wide. It's because I really love to do it. That I really love the flexibility of this medium. It's it's actually it's immaterial. It's it's a digital. It's you know bits of, in whole bytes of data, mm. and all I all I need is like a hardware or software to be connected to, and at the same time it means that so that I can work with a lot of interesting people, architects, performers, musicians. So, um, uh, was it the answer to your question? It was the answer with with even more to think with because I, you know, the collaborative part. So, I mean, we have the problem of lockdown and um, and then even when you get out of that, I mean, there's all sorts of protocols that everyone had to follow to get into various spaces to get materials. I can only imagine how complicated just the logistics of your art practice became early last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. But then the collaborative piece as well, as you've said, um, and I had the opportunity to go on the last day um, of your Anthropause exhibit at PKM, PKM Gallery in Seoul. And to only you only had to be in the space for 10 seconds to see people interacting with it. Mm-hmm. So it's so interactive and so collaborative. But COVID pushes back against that. COVID is about restriction. It's about distance. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I, I wanted to follow up with that. Maybe you can talk about the anthropos exhibit mm-hmm. sure. i want to ask you some more questions about it but you know particularly your your 
discussion of getting away from the canvas and or maybe expanding the notion of the canvas to include dimensions of space and time mm -hmm. that two-dimensional canvas can't accommodate. Mm -hmm. Well, you certainly have done that with the Anthropos. I mean, it's just an extraordinary project. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, sure. And I will share the video one more time. And I'm really, I'm really grateful that I can have you and your family to my exhibition at the very last day. I wish, uh, share. Okay. This one. Maybe I can, just a short one. Okay. It's up to you. I'm, I have like many of them, but let's start with this short one. I think if you unmute your microphone, we can catch the audio from it. play another one so that I can talk over it. While you're setting that up, just to remind everyone you're listening to COVID calls, I'm talking to Ian Kang today about her art practice in the middle of the Okay. My exhibition titled Anthropose, I found the term in the paper. It's published in The Nature last year, 2020, June. In order to describe these odd time where the activities of human has been paused because of COVID-19. So we could see the clear sky, you know, beautiful ocean, because we stopped acting. So it, it in the whole experiences as an artist over the last two years, you know, it's, um, I have to make something about it. So I spent this, the, the last year, the, the project that I shared you already, the project with the Greenpeace and the interactive project and this whole solo exhibition is all about the COVID-19 and in the larger picture, it's about the Anthropocene. How we can, can we have a future? That's, uh, that was the big question to myself. And as an artist, can I say something about it with my work? So it's, let's say this, this whole exhibition is really, um, 
in under context of 2020 and 2021, probably people will find it less interesting in 2025. And maybe in 2019, people didn't even know what that, what this is all about. But I just wanted to make a particular exhibition that investigates what is happening at the, in the very moments in 2021. So I decided to title it as Anthropause because I wanted to, this is pausing time for everybody, but I wanted it to be a productive pause rather than sad pause or depressing pause. So it, in this video, you, you saw that there are big two installations, uh, immersive projection room, and the other one is, how can I describe it? It's like a rotating object. <laughs> and I titled them finites and infinites. Mm -hmm. And when they meet together, it's, it's kind of a, it could be completed as a whole exhibition. So, and the other, I guess, you know, because the humans, particularly the human, we're just really born to, born to yearn for infinity. We believe that something that is infinite is better. So we have to pursue it. We have to make money infinitely. We have to pursue a career infinitely. But over the course of my research for this exhibition, I found that in, in the really, really Asian Greek times, it was quite the opposite, actually. The, uh, they believed that infinite is inferior to the finite because the infinite has no completion. But after, after that, you know, human started to link the infinite to divinity and we started to pursue the linear growth and developments that can, as if we can develop infinitely. So I, my whole exhibition questions about that binary thinking, the dualistic ontology, probably we should go back to, we already have that history. Probably we are all finite and that's the reason why, our, why we are beautiful. The nature, the human being, all of the animals, even the digital, nothing's infinite. That's impossible. So we have to embrace the notion of finity and um, so that we can have a sustainable future. Maybe it could sound like a huge discourse, like a really big narrative, but it's actually it's quite the opposite. It started from my very personal frustrations and desperation who wants to survive as an artist, who wants to make arts in the age of COVID-19. So it is very personal. So I wanted to, um, I just keep on saying to my team, my technical team, the musicians, I want, I have to make something beautiful, but sad because I believe that that's the reality of us now. We are all beautiful because we're finite, but because we are now at the sad period because we pursued infinity. So that's, that's kind of an emotional um, strategy for my work. 
So that's uh, one thing that the, there's kind of, um, um, how can I say, oxymorons. The, the immersive projection installation is finite and the tiny small object is called infinite. So I wanted to play the notion, like there are lots of multiple layers in order to tackle the, the binary, the thinking between finite and infinite, infinity, infinity. So yeah, it's, cause you already, you saw the exhibition. So why don't you Yeah, let, I, I just wanted to, um, to we can talk a little bit more about sort of like the two installations. And one is a video installation, which is projected in every surface of the room. Mm -hmm. And it has the audio soundtrack. And we got to see the part you showed, which actually had the performers in it, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The narrative is one of a, if I've got it right, I mean, it's a, you immediately are confronted by the impact of human activity. It's an anthropocenic vision. And a, a realization of, of of a finite planet, and it is. I think you know what you said. You know that you wanted to make something beautiful but sad. I mean, it really accomplishes that. Uh, it's totally arresting to watch. But then you get a few you get a few seconds into it, and at least my reaction was, "Oh, I, I know where this story is. I think I know where this story is going." Right, but. And so that that had a narrative grounding to it. Yeah. Then you go to the other installation, and I want you to describe it because it's um, again, it's using every surface of the room, mm -hmm. but it, it's doing something different with time. And the, there's not a narrative there to help you along. You have to confront the concepts differently. That's true. That's true. So I will share one more video so that we can talk about it. Um, yeah, this is infinite. It's actually a rotating object, like 360s. And I made it, it's, it, it never slips over the whole exhibition period. It means that it runs at night, in the morning, it runs even when the, the gallery is closed. Because so, I, I you know, I wanted to connect the notion of infinity to this installation. So it just keeps on rotating infinitely, at least in during the exhibition periods. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to make kind of an um, interesting combination between the two big installations. The finite is all about the enveloping the whole space, but this infinite is expanding through the objects. So that's the reason why I designed the object, this particular object. I spent a lot of time. I did a lot of failures and errors because as you can see, it's made of different materials. So the center area is a translucent fabric. So it's the projected images it's projected on the, the fabric, but at the same time, it passed through the fabric yeah. so that the images can be projected back onto the wall, on the floors, wherever that is projected. And at the same time, the uh, the rings of the object is made of this, the reflective metal. So the projected light reflected on the metal. So it creates interesting reflections, all of this, but this scene 
is reflections of the light. So although I'm using a single object, it's the moving images projected all over the space. So I wanted to cast, I want to use projections in the opposite way, in the finite, just, you know, map the entire space, but infinite, I wanted to use projector in a different way. So that's how I designed uh, the installation this way. And, um, but with regarding the moving image, it's interesting that, uh, yeah, it's so true. I agree with your, your, um, interpretations of infinite, it, you, you need to think about it. You really need to understand what's going on here. Why all the imagery is projected here and there. What is the whole system here? Because I wanted to talk about the, the only, nothing is infinite, but the only thing that we can say that is infinite is the fact that everything is connected. Mm. We are no exception. For example, if we, there is a Bitcoin mining, but it will come back to us with the temperature increase. Everything is connected. We are not, we are not the exception. We have to be responsible of, of our every action. So that's the reason why I wanted to make a really sophisticated structure where every elements are connected. The light projector object, different material materialities, they're all connected. And on top of that, you as an audience, you have to be a part of it as well your shadows, your engagement, your locations, and the rotating object, they're all connected in this infinite as an art piece. So I just wanted to make and give, an, give a chance to think about what is going on. And am I affecting to this environment? Am I part of it? Where's the light? Where's the moving image? Blah, blah, blah. And then there's one, another layer um, that give more contextual story to infinite that how can i say the speed of the moving image i am uh, it's kind of difficult to describe it i inserted a data set to moving image which is last 150 years of carbon dioxide concentration so for example 150 years ago, it's really slow. But like 100 years ago, it's getting uh, faster. But in last 50 years, like exponentially become faster. Mm -hmm. So you can feel that the, the how can I say, environment, the speed of changing, it's, it become faster and faster and faster. And then it, I hope that it make you wonder why is it changing? Why it's become faster? What's the data? Is, is, is some things affecting? So that's, yeah, that's so true that finite, it's kind of a, I'm not, it's, it has a simple narrative structure. It's like a whole, uh, what is going on in Anthropocene, but in infinite, there are more layers to be, um, understood. But at the same time, again, I wanted to make it beautiful. <laughs> I didn't want to make it, um, yeah, you, uh, that's just, it, it, it's kind of like enchanting. Mm. 
but in an interesting way because I wanted to make the audience feel it and watch it and yeah. immerse it. I think it's yeah. a deeper sense of, to me, a deeper sense of, I mean, that word beautiful is used, I think, often with a very flat meaning. But, yeah, right. and I see this through your work, you know, grappling with climate change, mm -hmm. grappling with the Anthropocene. Also, you know, that work you showed with the Greenpeace and dealing with, with Fukushima, mm -hmm. that loss, I mean, which is also what disaster is about. And, and my colleague, Jacob Remus, who's a brilliant historian of disasters, talks mm -hmm. about just even the problem we have talking about something like disaster, which he says, he uses the phrase, it's, um, it's, it's uh, suffering out of place. Mm. And so it's another way of thinking about what what beauty is. Beauty is also about destruction and loss. And right. if, you know, you're reaching back to older forms and to myths and to the Greeks. I think they had a better vocabulary to talk about beauty. That's true. And That's so, true. you know, this this notion that you're watching this, like you said, this acceleration, which is then becomes part of how you interpret what's happening in the room, the acceleration of the carbon. Um, it's terrifying, but there's a beauty in that, or at least that's how I experience it. I can only speak mm -hmm. from my own experience of it. Um, but I, I, I wanted to follow up, just want, you know, ask you about that also, what it was like for you to watch people interact with it. Because mm -hmm. again, the making of these works, the concepts, and then the making, which is done in the context of COVID across two continents. And mm -hmm. now you're in a room in Seoul again. And people are coming in and I had the privilege of watching people come in and, and they were embracing you and you were very good. I mean, you can take to the side and I could see you're sort of explaining what's going on just enough so people get into it, but not so much that you're lecturing them. And it was fascinating to kind of watch you work in that way. But I wonder what was it like for you? Was it satisfying? Um, that, I think that's a really important question to think about. Because um, I, I mentioned that I'm really value, I really value the communication parts of my work. I want to deliver, I want my message to be delivered. But it doesn't mean that it's, it's, it's exactly what you just talked, like, it's not lecturing them. I just provide um, a situation. And I hope the situation could be thought provoking. So in order to make that situation, I tried so hard how my moving image should be, how the timing should be, and what kind of music do I need to enhance the emotional response, and how the speed of the rotation should be, for example. So every little quality in that exhibition is actually, it's highly, um, articulated, I must say, but all of the efforts is just because I want to talk to them. So as you have seen in my, the last day of my exhibition, if, if my friends visiting, I just love to, you know, hug them and talking about what I've done, but I sometimes, well, not sometimes I actually, I really love to stay at the very dark corner of my exhibition room and watch people hmm. to see how they respond. Because, you know, most of my exhibition is dark. <laughs> so it's really perfect place to, you know, um, observe them. 
is um i uh, um i don't because i'm kind of a let's say in terms of that i'm a let's say conventional type and arts should be art art is not about writing art is not about um lecturing is i don't personally i don't like a type of contemporary arts that makes me so um stupid <laughs> you know that there's a lots of uh, installations and i don't get any of it so i try to read captions on the wall i try so hard to understand it but after reading it i become even more puzzled but for me that's not intention of making an artwork i wanted to make it intuitive and engaging and, and immersive experience so that people wow what is going on hmm. and it has to go to the next level which is not just about the fancy illusions but it has to make them think what is going on why 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 the forest is burning why there is the rotating object it's it's making reflections so but for me the it's and it, i was really happy to see that people kind of um get it but i it's it's for me it's really really difficult to keep the balance between the two it has to be interesting but at the same time it, it has to be critical it's not just about the you know fancy surface decoration it has to bring the audience to think about something although it could be different from my intention but i'm really happy to um but at the same time the the one of the really great benefit of making these kind of work is that they're really enjoying the time there like they're sitting down they're just running and they're just taking photos and videos so that they can share it on the on their sns the instagram whatnot and it's kind of um it's shifting but now at the moment i i'm teaching i i, I did my phd but it's kind of a um it's shifting periods that's how i understand so far it's not just about the object but art is about the experience so it's not um there is no object i mean in in finites there is no object in a material sense but it is still an artwork so people so it's about um appreciation as well you no, need to come here you need to see it on your own way and you can also share it in, a, in your own way so i can see that some values are changing in a more dynamic way so i'm happy to be a part of it yeah i i, I saw that too and i and i think you know in these times one of the things I've, I've heard people say in lots of different domains, even in like academic culture where I am, we complain incessantly about going to conferences. Oh, I have to go to a conference. It's terrible. Yeah, we can I say know. horrible things. And now it's like everybody's, I cannot wait to get to the bad coffee mm -hmm. conference. I want to be back in that room. And I think, you know, people, particularly if they're used to having art galleries at their disposal, if you live, 
um, you know, even in a moderately sized town, there's a couple of galleries around and, and we just get very used to the idea that you can pop into a library or an art gallery and see something that will turn your head the other way and make you think something. And so your description of seeing people come into these to the space and just the joy of that. It's just I'm not inside my house now or, you know, and, and again, it's it's an important observation about making art, but also experiencing art in this mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we're almost up on time. I wanted to ask you about one more feature of that, if it's if it's OK, which is mm -hmm. that you have a very unique vantage point, too. In one of the pieces you showed, there was Korean um, being spoken. Mm -hmm. So you have experienced the pandemic and you're also your art practice is transcontinental. It's transnational. Mm -hmm. It's translational. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know what I what I want to ask you other than to observe that and just think about that with you for a second about what that means. Maybe about how you're going to make art about COVID going forward. The fact that you've experienced this, you've seen what quarantine means mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the two different places. I assume mm -hmm. you've seen audiences interact with the art in mm -hmm. the different places. Mm -hmm. I wonder how that, I mean, because COVID is, a, is the only simultaneous transnational moment we've all known in our lives. You know? okay. We've all been living it. And you have a unique vantage point on it, I think. Um, yeah, it's another very good question. I think I will continue to make something on it, not exactly about COVID, but I, for me, the whole, the COVID-19 is, um, yeah, I talked about it earlier. It's, it's like a really, uh, true exposure of the problems that we have at the moment, social, political, cultural, you know, economical, whatever that is. So for me, the most sad thing, the frustrating thing is it's not just a one-time event, but it's just the beginning of, of this kind of disaster. So I plan to make another project about the, um, it's not, it's about, it's probably, it's again about the Anthropocene. Uh, we stopped to think, we have, we really stopped to act as we own this planet. I think COVID-19 is one of the results of mm. our selfish behavior. So I haven't decided yet, but the tentative title for my project is No Mother Earth, because I highly doubt about the notion of Mother Earth. We should stop anthropocizing everything it's about the metaphorical problem. It's about the uh, rhetoric problem. Once we start to call nature as mother, we just take everything for granted. It's our mother. He will, she will, you know, do sacrifice for us. So we take advantage from it, but we should stop doing that. So um, it's kind of connected to the COVID experience. But it's more like a kind of like a second version of Anthropos, my solo exhibition. And then, and we'll, I, I, we'll see from, from there what kind of opportunities coming to me as an artist. So, yeah, also, I hope it will give you the answer. We have a center for Anthropocene study 
unique world here at Geist. So I hope we will that we can continue these conversations because I think the definitely uh, the coming together of the kind of work you're doing with mm-hmm. scientists and social scientists is also that'd be really amazing because you know the if you're familiar with new media arts in 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 the data visualization is one of the uh, one of the big branch of new media under the new media arts. Lots of people using AI, you know, big data and making interesting visualizations using data sets. But I kind of like, I took a different direction in infinite. It's let's say it could be a kind of a data visualization work, but in a more poetic way, in an indirect way. So regarding that, it would be really amazing that if I, if I could work with really real scientists and engineers to talk about what kind of data sets we are producing now. And, you know, you just very early at the beginning of this talk, you mentioned that there are more than 4 million people um, died today because of COVID-19. I always, I also look at the Johns Hopkins data sets like once a week (laughs) so all of the data that's already there but how can we deliver it so yeah that'd be really great if i can continue this conversation with you or the center of anthropocene i want to remind everyone you've been listening to COVID calls and you can usually catch COVID calls at 6 p.m eastern time most weekdays today's been a special discussion with artist Yian Kang uh, at 6.30 p.m. Korea time, even though she's in London. So, uh, and I just want to remind everyone, uh, you can catch COVID calls tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And my guest will be Lindsay Shavinsky, presidential historian, and we'll be talking about U.S. presidents and the presidency and COVID-19. And Yian Kang, I just want to thank you. Um, I've been a little greedy with your time here today, but I really appreciate you going into detail on the works and showing and and talking them through. And I hope people get a chance to to see your work in person. When they can't do that, they can go to your website, Ian Kang, Y-I-Y-U-N-K-A-N-G.com, and they can see your work there. Keep up the amazing work. It's it's mind-blowing stuff. Thanks. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. It's a huge, amazing opportunity to see my work from a different perspective and share this story with you and with your audience. So thank you so much. And hope stay healthy, everyone. Okay. Absolutely. We'll Thanks. stay healthy, everyone. We'll see you next time on COVID Calls. Mm-hmm.